0: For our sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat, on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7.
1: This is the time where you can give us your calls on 49216216. Yes, we're talking Pet Chat. A big welcome to Daniel Carrington and Dr. Kimberly Earle. Hello to you both. Hello, how are you? Oh, look, might help if I do this. Ah, Good afternoon.
2: Go. <laughs> Good afternoon.
1: What are we chatting about today, Denny?
2: Well, look... The Dog Lovers Show is happening for the fourth time in Sydney, a fourth year in a row. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be talking to Jason Humphreys, who's the creator, the organiser, the founder of The Dog Lovers Show, and check out who are the celebrity vets that are going to be there, what dogs are oh. going to be there, what ec- stands from different types of companies are going to be there. It's a big, big thing. Now, we're all dog lovers here, aren't we? Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course we are.
2: And so many of our listeners are dog lovers. Pet
1: lovers. We're pet lovers in general.
2: We've got Australia's biggest event, The Dog Lovers Show, Show happening on the weekend in Sydney and I've got Jason Humphreys who's the founder of the Dog Lover Show and it's happening for the fourth year in a row in Sydney. He's joining us on the programme to tell us a little bit about it and he's a dog lover himself. Hello, Jason. Yes,
0: yeah, probably the biggest dog lover in the world I think <laughs> and I'll put this
2: show together. <laughs> actually Actually what uh, what dogs do you have? One dog, two dog? What breeds do you have?
0: Well I, I did have three dogs. I had two staffies, <laughs> Yep. Uh, and I've got a cavoodle yep. on Sunday yep. and Betty <laughs> and Buzz but unfortunately we lost Buzz to cancer a couple of years ago, but uh, he lives with us in spirit.
2: Okay, so So,
0: I've had dogs all throughout my life Samoids and Cavaliers and all different types
2: of dogs. Wow. A full family of dogs and uh, Staffies being the current number one breed of dog around the country, they just, yeah, they just make such great pets, oh, don't they? they? Number yeah, Number one. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, they've got a beautiful nature. They're very emotional though. They're quite very, sensitive. Um, <laughs> very
2: There's high things levels I of anxiety. I can't do around my
0: Staffie.
2: <laughs> you wouldn't think that by yeah. looking at one, would you? Yeah. Yeah, no, they look different. pretty
0: tough, but they're, uh, they're big, soft. It's
2: like Gizmo.
1: Softy. I always say he's having an emotional day today. You <laughs> know, they, they feel <laughs> a lot.
0: Well, I can't even watch the football when my staffy runs into the corner because doesn't like the sound of the announcers. Oh. the Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have,
2: have you tried a different sport, perhaps?
0: <laughs> oh, I've tried swimming, netball, cricket. <laughs> doesn't like anything to do with sports commentary, Just freaks out, thinks I'm yelling at her or someone's yelling at her.
2: Can you tell us uh, what is the Dog Lovers show for for some of our listeners who haven't heard about it?
0: Well, you know the movie Best in Show. Yep. We're nothing like that. (laughs) So we we don't dress dogs up and parade them around for ribbons. Uh, We're all about celebrating the unconditional love that we have for our dogs. So it's more of a celebration. So you've you've got festivals for music and cars and... We're the festival for dogs, so we're all about educating and entertaining dog owners. So um, it's everything you could possibly want to celebrate dogs under one roof. So, um,
2: and where is it held in Sydney?
0: It's going to be held in Moore Park at the Royal Hall of Industries and, and the Horton Pavilion. Mm-hmm. So um, it's the old uh, showgrounds. Yep. Um, so very close to the city.
2: And it's this weekend, isn't it?
0: Yeah, this weekend. So yeah. Saturday and Sunday, nine thirty till five.
2: Now, I've got uh, the information here. There is just so much happening and so many celebrity vets there. Can you run through what any attendees can expect to see?
0: Well, look, there's probably about 20 visitor attractions. It'd be very hard to run them all through Mm. here today. But in terms of the big ones, the Royal Cannon Arena is massive. So we've got live shows from Dr. Chris Brown, Dr. Katrina Warren, Andrew Morley from Neighbours is doing a wonderful hero dog tribute um, Mm. on service dogs. We've got the Blackhawk Dock Dogs. We've got dogs launching themselves into a into a one hundred thousand litre pool
1: oh, to wow. compete in the
0: national competition. That is amazing. <laughs> um,
2: and what do they have to catch something as they launch themselves in the pool?
0: Well, there's three different comps. So um, the first one is speed—how yeah. quickly they can run down the ramp. The second <laughs> is uh, distance—how far they can jump—and the third is the is the high one where they've got to catch a toy in oh, the air. How amazing is that? It's so funny. I mean, you've got to That would it be it really better.
1: cool to watch. It would, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yep.
0: yeah everyone gets quite wet.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> watch for poncho.
0: the St. Bernard.
1: Pack a poncho, yeah. Yes. No, that's great.
0: I mean, the biggest thing is the dogs. There's over 600 beautiful dogs, all different shapes and sizes, There's probably about 100 breeds on show. You've got the Breed Showcase. You've got a Pooch, where you can just hang out with dogs and pat them on big bean bags. You've got be the Rescue Zone. <laughs> We're very much about helping. Um, Educate people about adoption So we've got about 30 of the rescue Shelters and pounds from across Sydney Actually exhibiting with dogs that are available Now that are looking for homes
1: Jason this sounds amazing, can I just ask What's the harmony like with with all the dogs Do they seem to get along quite well for the day
0: It's amazing Remember the first show we ran in Melbourne in 2013 We were very nervous about putting 600 dogs Into a venue with 20,000 people I can understand that The dogs have this incredible calming um, effect on a crowd that big, so everybody's very respectful. Um, you have a couple of dogs going at each other, but the dogs are great. Um, we've got a very tight animal management policy, so no dogs getting in there unless their their temperament is right. I won't bore you with the details now, but they're very much controlled conditions. They're, you know, they're all tested and they're all all okay in that sort of condition. So, and if they're not, we just send them home straight away. So, yeah. welfare is number one priority for us.
2: What I did like in terms of what you've got, it's a, it's a new addition to the show, I believe, and that's the the breed showcase, the breed showcase, yep. haven't you?
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, that's one of the main reasons people go. They want to learn more about all the different breeds out there. So we've got about 45 dogs, New South Wales breed clubs actually exhibiting in the show. So, and we've got a stage there as well where we've got about 30 to 40 breeds presenting each day, getting up for five minutes talking about their breed, their temperament, Mm -hmm. some of the medical issues. And we're all about trying to help people buy, um, find the right dog for their, for them. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are buying dogs that just don't suit their lifestyle. You know, living in an apartment, buying a German Shepherd is just, Mm -hmm. you know, nonsensical. So we provide them with all the right information so they can make an informed decision on the right dog for them.
2: Jason, thank you very much for your time. That's great to learn about all that. And uh, have a great weekend. I'm sure you'll yeah. be very busy. coming down? So I, ha- I won't be able to make it this year, but looking forward to being able to make it again next year.
0: That's right. Thanks so much for all your right. support, guys.
2: Thank, thank you. Thanks, Jason. Bye.
1: Thank you. Now, uh, Denny, we were just interviewing Jason about the dog show that's happening this weekend. Yeah. Look, it sounds pretty amazing. Pretty big, pretty organised. We've just had a couple of people wanting to know the details again, so could you let us know time, place?
2: So, it's look, you can also Google Dog Lovers Show Sydney and the, uh, the official website will come up. However, it's on Saturday and Sunday, the 5th or 6th of August, so this coming weekend, at the Hall, Royal Hall of Industries and the Horton Pavilion in Sydney. So there is an entry fee. You do need to pay an entry fee to get in, but then there's so much to see and do. And talk to a lot of yeah um I guess it's more dog-related businesses. Yeah, sure. Whether it be nutrition or the foods or dog beds or dog toys, there'll be so many ex- exhibitions by companies there that you can actually talk to regarding certain issues you, your pet might have. And the other great thing, as I said, is like you've got your, um, your, your Ask the Breeder section and um, the bro- a Breed Showcase So experts
1: well. everywhere, yeah, I guess, which is the great dogs. thing. Yeah. Coming up, we're going to look at the coastal weather. Then we're going to look at dental health, not ours, but for our dogs. Just one quick question, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. Should we be brushing their teeth? Do I need to get Gizmo a toothbrush? Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're looking at dental health for our dogs. So it is Dental mm. Health Month. It's Pet
3: Dental Health Month. So not just okay. dogs. So we in particular look into um, dogs. We look at cats rabbits. My practice does a lot of rabbits and guinea pig dental work. Um, Even some of our other exotic pets like um, bearded dragons sometimes get dental health problems. So it's a really big issue in our industry. And for some reason, um, pet owners don't necessarily think of dental problems as being a health concern, but it really is a thing that can impact the whole health and well-being and welfare of an animal. Um, When you look at the statistics, you know, most pets, uh, maybe 75% of pets over 3-5 to years of age will have some degree of dental disease Um, so if you think about yourself if you as an adult didn't go to the dentist for 5 years, even if you were doing daily brushing, you know, there's quite a lot that can happen in your mouth and there's not many people who are doing daily brushing of their dog and cat's teeth, so I certainly don't I do brush my dog's teeth but you know, it sort of comes in fits and spurts. Some some weeks I'm really good and she'll get her teeth brushed 3 or 4 times and then other times I'll go a fortnight and go, oh really I need to get her teeth brushed again, so it's a big issue. It certainly
1: is. So it's not just good enough to give them a bone and go, okay, well, they're cleaning their teeth.
3: No, unfortunately, Sarah. So, um, you know, there's not really a lot of good evidence that chewing on bones keeps health, uh, teeth really healthy. Uh, lots of stuff, people looking at wild dogs, they have very poor dental health conditions because mm. they're chewing on teeth. And our practice has gone away from recommending any bones for dogs. Oh, okay. Not just because of dental problems, um, but we see a lot of fractured teeth for dogs chewing on bones. And there's a lot of issues with gastrointestinal. No problems, splintering of bones even the quote-unquote safe bones yeah um you know constipation things like that so we don't recommend bones as a as a form of you know cleaning teeth um there are dental chews, dental sticks, things like that that you can get that can be helpful but again you have to look at your own dog. My dog will take a large size dental chew of any particular brand. Um, You know, the idea is that they're supposed to chew on them, gnaw on them Mm -hmm. and that's supposed to help scrape the tartar and calculus away but really she bites it into half or into thirds and pretty well swallows those pieces so that's not really doing anything. A lot of dogs chew on one side or cats chew on one side of their mouth and so they might have one side that's a little bit cleaner but the other side is getting quite, you know, mucky. So so when we're thinking about dental health in pets how are you going to identify that? So if you have a look in Gizmo's mouth, the things that you're looking for are, does he have bad breath for one? So can you, you know stand to get really up close and have a nice little, who's my little Gizmo? <laughs> have, you know, a little have a nice kiss. little chat. Um, Does he have any brown tartar on his teeth? So dogs, we get tartar on our teeth. Dogs get tartar on their teeth. um, Cats get tartar on their teeth. You know, all the animals can. um, But it calcifies. It sits there for long enough because they're not doing that every day or or twice a day brushing. um, And little bacteria then turn it into calcified calculus. And that's really difficult to get off. So if you take a dog with a dirty mouth and you start brushing their teeth, you're going to slow down the progression of that. But you're not going to get that calculus off the teeth. It really does require professional dental cleaning with a veterinarian to get that dealt dental calculus off um we see pets that have um, gingivitis or stomatitis so that's redness inflammation Mm. pain around the gum line and they can get just like we can they can get gingival recession which leads to um, root exposure of the teeth and that's painful and so what a lot of people i don't think don't understand is they'll look at their dog and say well this breath's pretty stinky and i think the teeth are pretty dirty but he's still eating he's probably be you know he's probably fine i'm sure he'll stop eating if it hurts um but unfortunately, that doesn't happen because if you stop eating, you die. Mm. And so, dogs and cats and other animals—they don't stop eating until the pain in their mouth is bad enough that they would rather die. Can you imagine that? How bad that must yeah, be? Yeah, that's pretty awful. It's yeah, pretty absolutely. bad. So, and they have alternative—you know—it might be that they've got a really sore tooth on the left side, so they'll start chewing on the right side. That doesn't stop the the infected tooth on the left-hand side from spitting a bunch of bacteria into the bloodstream, which can then lodge in the kidneys and cause kidney problems. It can lodge in the heart and cause valve problems never mind the pain I mean obviously the pain is a, is a big concern um, but you know having those infected or or rotten teeth um, in the mouth really can impact them as a whole so it's a it's a big issue and I think we really need to try to raise awareness of it absolutely so you know, just hearing what you
1: 've had to say, yeah. so brushing seems to be um, something that we must do now i 'm guessing i can 't just go and get um, some Colgate toothpaste yeah. and a toothbrush what, no. what do we
3: do so so first of all, not every pet is going to be amenable to brushing there are a lot of dogs there that are um, there are some cats mm, that are amenable that would be to hard. it yep um, so the important things are we definitely need to be using a pet friendly toothpaste okay they don 't like mint um, they don 't like mint they're not to go with Colgate. Uh, so you need to get a pet-friendly toothbrush, and that can be de- toothpaste. Sorry, and that can be done from your vet or from your pet shop. Um, most of them they're going to be beef flavored, chicken flavored, some of them malt flavored. Um, they have no fluoride in them because if you start to eat fluoride, you can't teach your dog to spit. Um, it's like children, yep. right? You've got to have low fluoride toothpaste, so you can't teach them to spit that out because fluoride um, in in quantities um, can be toxic. So um, it's pet-friendly toothpaste. You can get pet-friendly toothbrushes, or you can just use a regular run-of-the-mill soft toothbrush and Mm -hmm. that soft bristled toothbrush toothbrush and that depends on the size of your pet so I just have a regular adult human toothbrush that I use on my dog Um, there are some fancy dental ones that you can um, use and or sorry pet dental ones that are slightly different shaped and and they're probably helpful but I don't think that's the be-all and end-all the more frequently you can brush the better but I understand that people are living real lives here and they need to you know like I said I try to do my dog three to five times a week she probably gets it two to three times most week yep (laughs) and some weeks are bad and some weeks are good um but you know any brushing you can do is is beneficial and I certainly notice the breath improves once I've brushed my dog's teeth but the big the mainstay of um pet dental health um treatment really is having your pet's teeth professionally cleaned by a veterinarian under an anesthetic and there is a trend these days for um, non-anesthetic dentals being done by lay people and what um, pet owners don't understand is it is not the same quality just because the surface of the teeth might be cleaner doesn't mean we've dealt with the disease that's under the gum line because the majority of the problems we see are under the gum line and you cannot clean under the gum line in a conscious pet and a lot of pets won't tolerate an, an awake. You know, dental cleaning as it is. This may be a silly question, but yeah. for older dogs, putting yeah. them on an
1: anesthetic, is that a bit of a risk? Like, where does the benefits it, outweigh the. The, the benefits
3: risks? absolutely outweigh the risk. So, um, you know, it used to be that we would tell people, oh, we don't want to anesthetize this pet. It's too old. It's, you know, too much risk. Mm. We have really excellent anesthetic drugs these days. We have anesthetic monitoring devices that are as technical as what you'd get in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, there are still some vets who are uncomfortable doing it. You just need to find a vet who isn't, there's plenty of vets in the area who would look at a dog. We we routinely anesthetize very geriatric patients that often have heart conditions and other comorbidities, okay. um, and we have very few problems with them at all. There is always some risk with an anesthesia, but would you rather be a dog who's alive, who every single you know, bite of food you have is painful? You know, I, I don't know that that's what people yeah, so I want guess, for their pets. So. I guess the
1: question would be, um, for yeah. example, Gizmo's 11. Yep. Um, I think he's got a bit of build-up, but every time yeah. I take him to the vets, they say he's t- are pretty good. Yeah.
3: Should I be getting his teeth brushed? He doesn't. I would. Uh, yeah. yeah okay. and, and, and the reason that I would is because if he's 13 and they say, um, you know well now he really needs to have it done well he's two years older and he's two years less mm. of an appropriate anesthetic candidate so you know what we're always trying to do these days is to try to take dogs that have mild disease in the mouth clean it up bring be them proactive. back to square that's right be proactive okay. clean it up and it might mean that you do more dentals throughout the life of that pet but you're doing them at an earlier stage which is preserving the health of the mouth so instead of doing one dental in a 10 or 12 year old dog where you have to you know you take three hours and you have to pull out the majority of teeth and go well i hope i never Have to do that again. Mm -hmm. If that pet had had a dental maybe at four years and then maybe at eight years and another quick one at 12 years, then we're often um, at a stage where we can clean the teeth, not have to remove them, bring the mouth back to a healthy sort of stage and then go from there. And three short anesthetics. When we do a a grade one or grade two dental, usually our anesthetic time is 35 to 60 minutes maximum. But if we're doing a grade three dental and we we grade them based on the severity of the periodontal disease um, and how many teeth we're likely to need to pull out, uh, you know it 's much easier on the pet to have a short anesthetic three times throughout the life than it is to have one or two big big dentals where we 're removing a lot of the teeth when we 've got periodontal disease so if you 've got just tar- tartar on the mouth you don't have any gingivitis you don't have any gingival recession that's a mouth that we can take back to square one and we can take it and make it a completely normal mouth again but once you start to get periodontal disease where you're getting gingival recession bleeding gums uh, those sorts of things then that's a mouth that is always a diseased mouth that you have to manage for the rest of that pet's life okay so it's much better to do more frequent shorter more minor anesthetics on a pet or dentals on a pet than it is to wait until the disease is really severe and then do a big
1: big one on them so kimberly for Mm -hmm. a pet that has um a reasonable dental condition Mm -hmm. and you are getting their teeth done um regularly how often should
3: we be looking at getting a professional clean um, it's it's not quite, you know, it's not sort of like us where we say in humans they recommend now basically every six months. Yes. So um, we would, for every pet that we see, we do a usually an annual sort of general health assessment. Mm-hmm. We would look at every single pet's mouth and we would make recommendations okay. based on the individual pet. Um, my dog is 10. She's just turned 10 last year. She's had three dentals in her life. So never had to, uh, no, that's not true. The last dental I did have to pull out a tooth because she had chipped a tooth on something. Okay. Um, but, you know, she hasn't had to have a tooth extracted because of periodontal disease but she's had three dentals in her mouth and we know that dental health in the individual animal is really um, not always just related to the external environment what they're eating how often you're brushing but a lot of dogs will have more severe disease because of their innate ability to keep their mouth clean so the the level of dental issues we see can be related to what kind of um, characteristics their saliva has if they don't have enough saliva or it's not the right ph it might not inhibit bacteria as much as another dog some dogs that have lots of fur around the mouth those little hairs get in and they cause little micro abrasions Mm. of the gum line and bacteria stick to that better and so lots of little dogs that have fluffy little faces will get worse teeth than if they had you know they were a smooth coated dog Mm. but then we still see lots of little um you know smooth coated dogs that will have you know bad dental problems that need to be cleaned so that's a real individual thing so you might have two dogs they can be litter mates and one dog will have dental disease from the time it's 18 months old and the other dog won't need a dental till it's five or six years of age and it's really just you you know, individual on that individual pet. Well, certainly food for
1: thought Absolutely, and, you know, yeah. and, and something to I be I would encourage everybody
3: to talk to their vet about it. And if you think that your dog's got a bit of tartar on the teeth or got a bit of smelly breath or your cat, cats get some really specific to cat problems that can be really, really severe gingivostomatitis, dermatitis, things like that. We sometimes have to do quite elaborate um, dental procedures, dental extractions in cats to make their life comfortable. So it's definitely worthwhile talking to your vet about. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Carly's in Waratah West. Now, Carly, your dog is chewing on the furniture.
0: She's going under the bed at night and chewing on the wood of the bed.
3: During the night? In the middle of the night? Yes. Oh, right. Okay, that's interesting.
0: She's only, she's only still a puppy. Yeah. okay. And she sleeps inside at night.
3: How old a puppy is she?
0: About 17 weeks.
3: Okay, so quite a young puppy. So 17 weeks, that's the height of teething time. That's when she's going to be starting to change out her puppy teeth for her adult teeth. Dogs, dogs and cats do that um, just the way that humans do, but they do it usually around the four to five month mark. So um, I just wouldn't let her. Don't let her develop that habit because that's something she's going to continue to do throughout that's, that's life. what I want to have, what I can put on the wood to her. Yeah, no, you need, to, you need to be more proactive than that. I would go and find her a nice little enclosed bed probably, a little crate that you can make a nice, little soft bed um, and actually lock her up in there for the night because that's going to do a few things. It's going to prevent her from um, learning to chew on furniture or or practicing that habit. It's going to keep her in a safe location so that you know where she is so that she doesn't decide, well, I don't like the wood. I'm going to go wandering through the house at night and find an electrical cord to chew on and electrocute myself. It's also going to teach her to be comfortable in a space on her own. And that's always a really good thing because there will be times through her life that at some point she will need to be in a cage. She'll need to come into a vet hospital or go to to a boarding facility. And they need to learn that to be in an enclosed space is a nice, safe, comfortable, calming thing to do. Um, It will also help you with toilet training because dogs want to inherently keep themselves clean and keep their beds clean. And if she's in a nice, small crate, so when I say small, she needs to be, depending on what kind of dog she is, she needs to be able to stand up, turn around, lie down in a semi or, or stretched out position but she doesn't need to be able to uh, walk four meters and go to the toilet and still feel like she's in a, you know, in a, in a clean space in her bed. Um, yes. But it will help you to toilet train her because then you're going to give her a reason, an incentive to hang on to her bodily functions. And when you do get up in the morning with her in a 17-week pop, I'm afraid she's probably going to be getting you up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, but then hopefully I she have will... I'm to get up at 6.30. 6.30, that's excellent. <laughs> and hopefully she will have um, held on to all of her business You'll be able to pick her up, take her straight outside Give her her little command word And that's going to really help you predict Her toileting and and help you with training So I would actually say I mean there are things you can get There are bitter and sprays But they're not very good And it doesn't help you to teach her That it's not appropriate to chew on things in the house So you'd be better off just to not give her the opportunity to do that Okay good luck good luck with that carly <laughs> so you really do need to take that approach and mm. and keep them confined at night yeah so. oh, i would i mean a young pup like that you know th- there's a lot of dangers in the house even if you've got a puppy proofed house or a kid proofed mm. house um they don't have the same you know chewing on power cords is a really common thing and puppies and, and kittens get electrocuted on a not infrequent basis okay. from doing things like that so i guess it's um, like having a baby and making totally sure they're like in a having posh. a baby so some people take the approach of like locking them into a bathroom or laundry with things off the Floor. Um, I've always done crate training. Um, it, it's it's safe and it's helpful and it teaches puppies to hang on to their bodily functions, which is you know that's going to make your life as a yes. pet owner more enjoyable. So it's there's there's some good benefits to it. Kimberly, as they get older do you mm-hmm. still keep them in the crates at night or can you then let them? You can them... you don't have to um you know my dogs often spend the first couple of years in in a crate and then as they're older and and trustworthy I often give them the option my okay. current dog doesn't but when she was a pup before we brought her out from Canada she spent she was about 18 months old and she she always I would just leave the door open she'd put herself to bed in her crate she liked it it she, felt yeah, secure she and felt comfy. comfortable yeah mm. that's right.
1: Taking more of your calls in a minute having a quick look at the weather it's all thanks to our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, Maitland for new Honda, Subaru, Volkswagen and Isuzu Utes. Remaining mostly sunny today. There's a 30% chance of a shower along the coast this evening. Uh, tomorrow, looking very similar to today. Cloudy and 19, the top. Right now, it is 15 degrees in Newcastle. And let's go to Sandra in Mount Hutton. Good afternoon. Your question for Kimberly today. Yeah. Um, how do you stop... a
0: Happy on from barking. She barks at anything and
3: everything. She <laughs> drives me mad sometimes. Yeah. It, it's a hard thing, Sandra. Um Dog, dogs and barking. But I mean, barking is a normal behavior for dogs. We have to remember that. Okay, it's not something that's abnormal for them. It's like talking for you and I. So, trying to teach a dog to bark is a possible thing. But we have to understand why the dog is barking. Is it barking because it's reacting to something? Is it barking because he's just trying to communicate with you? Um, Is it barking because it's a a bit of an anxious dog and it thinks that it needs to defend you and the property from the mailman coming through? You know, it's not necessarily a really easy um, thing to do and because it's a, a natural normal behavior for them um, there are things you can do about it so I mean I would I would have a think about what you feel she's barking about um, small breed dogs often are quite reactive to noises around them you know she may not be able to mm-hmm. see what's going on but she can hear things going on outside um, or outside the yard or in the next room um, lots of dogs that have incessant barking do have anxiety related issues and so you may uh. need to have a chat with your bet your vet, sorry, your vet, your vet, <laughs> um, and, you know, sort of ex- explain what's happening and, and see if that they feel that there may be an anxiety issue and that can be helped sometimes with um, behaviour modification and some um, psychopharmaceuticals that's a big name so yes. um anxiety removing <laughs> drugs that can be that can be helpful um it may be that she's just saying listen i'm really excited i need to have some more exercise can we please go out um you know if she's a young dog often their exercise requirements are pretty high and and she's just sort of trying to tell you like i'm, I'm really excited i'm really excited i'm really excited let's go and run let's I've go got run. Energy to, burn. Got energy to burn and so lots of dogs that are excessive barkers we often find that there's a the dogs that are not getting enough exercise Or enough stimulation. You might find that using things like feeding toys, feeding Kongs, making her work for her food, not feeding her in a bowl. So it can be as simple as take the measured amount of dry food you were going to give her and instead of feeding it to her in a bowl, scatter it on the back garden and make her go and hunt for it. Um, that is oh often a God. really good way to help get them into um, into a, a better habit of not barking because it's giving them a task to do. Because lots of our pets are, are pretty bored. They get food handed to them every day. They don't have to do any work for it. So, you know, there's lots of different um, toys and techniques. Feeding Kongs, Kong Wobblers, yes, Buster Cubes. Yeah, <laughs> but, but often making them work for their food can be a real helpful um, helpful thing. So because, Kimberly, a lot of the time we think, oh, we've got a smaller dog, I don't need to exercise them yeah. as much, and that's not necessarily the truth. No, that's truth. right. I mean, they may not need to do the same level of exercise as, say, a Dalmatian or something like that, um, but the stimulation of getting out in the environment, going for a walk isn't just about exercise as well, it's about sniffing your environment, learning about your neighbourhood so that we get familiar with the other dogs and the other cats and the other sounds and people in barking. the environment. I, mean, I can hear it too. So. <laughs> her now. Yeah. I, so, besides her yep. I have got a long haired corgi. Yeah. A
1: little he's little too. Yeah. And she's coming. she's very coming. If he he's got um if he stays inside, she'll sneak outside Cunning. and bark so that he'll go out there yep. and she comes in and lays on my lap. Yeah. <laughs> she wants him off my lap so she'll call him out there and then she'll come back and lay on my lap. Okay. She's very common. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, you got your hands full. You enjoy that, okay? <laughs> Oh, Kimberly you know what we're nearly out of time which is hard to believe it's just gone so quickly hasn't it yeah it's gone very quick and we had a bit of a chat today which was really good um really briefly yeah you were mentioning dental health do I need to brush my rabbit's teeth tell me I don't okay I don't own you, one but if
3: ever I you, was to you don't okay. So, rabbits and guinea pigs are a little bit different their problems are not so much related to dental tartar build-up but the fact that they have teeth that grow continuously throughout their life and so we get overgrowing teeth every every rabbit and guinea pigs should be having a dental exam every 6 to 12 months by a veterinarian. You've been very enlightening. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And we
1: will do Pet Chat next week.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.